By speaking with local creators, artists, and business professionals, PaperCut aims to cut deep and demystify the Winnipeg creative industry with hometown heroes and hidden gems. Welcome to Paper Cut Podcast. My name is Jared Goche. I'm Olivia Michalczyk, and we're here with Eric Castleman. Please tell us a bit about yourself. For sure. Hello, everybody. Uh, My name's Eric Castleman. I'm old. (laughs) Uh, I own the Park Theatre on Osborne Street. Owned it for about 13 years. Um, Bought it um, in a convoluted kind of way. Just bought it because I loved the building, lived in the neighborhood, and Opened it up originally as a DVD shop because I owned way too many DVD movies and coffee shop because my uh, wife of the time, now ex-wife, uh, we tried to do a Tim Hortons franchise and didn't go far, so we hence started it there. Um, and have been doing that now for 13 years, um, for 12 years on my own now, give or take. So can you give us a bit of a history of the Park Theatre? Like, before you took ownership, what was it? Uh, so it's side abandoned, actually, for about 15 to 17 years, uh, give or take. Um, it started in 1914 as um, movie theatre, single-screen movie theatre, and it was bought in the, if I remember correctly, in, like, early to mid-20s by Rudolf Bessler, who also lived in the neighbourhood in Riverview. Uh, and he started doing uh, mass renovations to it constantly and ran as the only movie theater in that south area for the longest time. Um, and, you know, was very important to the neighborhood, was a place where everybody could meet and gather and watch movies and do events together and be with each other and so forth. Uh, eventually he sold it to Cineplex Odeon and if I remember correctly in the mid 60s and Cineplex ran it for a little while before they opened up uh, if I remember correctly Grant Park Cinema and at that time they shut it down so it was shuttered for about 15 years and opened for a very short time by a gentleman out of Vancouver who ran it as a third run theater for about 7 to 9 months until winter came and it was too cold and shut down because there was no heat uh, and then sat abandoned until me and my ex-wife at the time bought the place and started doing the work and what have you and it slowly morphed into what it is today so what are some interesting things that you found in the renovation process um the unfortunate thing is not really anything uh there is a murder in the first movie poster that was hanging that's still hanging behind the walls we just kept it there for the sorry can you say that one more time murder in the first movie oh it's like a movie called murder in the first yes there was was a murder there and the first movie ever there was a murder like holy (laughs) smokes no 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 (laughs) no big deal okay so Uh, murder in the first was a movie that came out when uh, if I remember, like, and usually I can just say every movie in the day came up, but uh, <laughs> in mid, I want to say early 80s, mid 80s. Oh, cool. Um, and so that was the only thing that was of any nostalgic or great value. Not that there's any value in that that was there. So we just covered it up and, you know, kept it as part of the history. Um, the unfortunate thing is the building had been ransacked by over the years by the different people that owned it and everything that was of any greatness was taken out of it. Um, Except for maybe the theater seats, which were still there, but now have been removed. Um, But when we started doing the renovations or when I started doing the renovations of the front is when we started to find things because we found the original sign from 1933. Wow. Yeah, so that's pretty awesome. Where did you find it? 
Uh, so um, the whole front of the building's been completely gutted and taken down. And when we were taking apart the marquee, marquee, as a side note, was not supposed to come down. It was supposed to be refurbished. But as we were taking off the layers of that, we found it behind all the different layers. And so that will go up in the lobby, hopefully in the next short while. And that's pretty much it for exciting things that were found, which isn't really exciting. How has business been since the marquee has come down, just in the short time that it's been down? Because I was passing there yesterday, and the park theater was full, but I had no idea what was going on, and I just drove past. <laughs> yeah. Um, the good news is it's January, and everything's slow in January. Okay. <laughs> the bad news is everybody that walks through the door goes, oh, I didn't realize I was coming to a abandoned warehouse, or... You know, they try to make funny jokes or what have you. The unfortunate thing <laughs> is the, the renovations were supposed to be done December 14th, and we were on track to do that until we ran into the issue with the marquee. Uh, marquee was roughly 80-odd years old. Wow. Uh, and hadn't been maintained in 80-odd years either, so it was pretty rusted and, and dilapidated. And when we started to explore how to refurbish it, um, and started taking the layers off, we realized the deterioration that it was and the state it was in, and that at any moment, well, it could have fallen or it would probably eventually fall, especially if we had a really bad snowfall and that snow and ice built up on it. So we immediately took it down, of course. And that's then where we started running into the issues with the city. Um, they had been very good to me up to that point, and then we had an inspector decide that we needed to have a permit to redo the front of the facade. Uh, even though we were going from stucco to uh, IPE planks, uh, which normally you wouldn't need a permit for, but I guess now you do. And then they started to decide uh, to call us on possible encroachment because they thought maybe it would be thicker than what was existing there. And maybe I was encroaching on the sidewalk, even though we took off three inches of layers and now we're going on with like a half inch. But so hopefully tomorrow, knock on wood, uh, or IPA planks will be back up and running and doing the, the front renovations. And then uh, then we get into the marquee. And the marquees were the, the, the major issues are running into because we have to get engineers involved and figure out how we're going to do it properly without... Uh, I can't tie it to the front of the building without getting the whole building uh, structure tested and to do that they'd have to take off the brick and existing all the oh stuff so then yeah so a project that was originally going to be 150,000 then went to quarter million is now just slightly over 300,000 wow yeah really? which is yeah it is what it is um and that was just for the facade that's only the front of the building wow yeah 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 so uh, a couple of years back you guys renoed the inside correct how many years ago was that uh, I want to say four and a half, five years ago. Did you run into the same kind of issues with the city? On, no, on that no. The city, uh, honestly, I have nothing bad to say about the city. Uh, the city's always been really good. And, in you know, I've done other projects, uh, rental properties and so forth. I've never had a problem with the city. Sometimes there's delays, of course, but the city's always been really good. Um, I'm not one of those people to sit here and go, ah, oh, the city of Winnipeg, blah, blah, blah. It is what it is, you know, like... Um, there's a reason we have rules and, and uh, regulations, and there's a reason we do things through a certain process, and that's to protect the public coming in, and especially in a public building like that where we have shows every day. Like, of course, I want to be have it done properly and have it done so everybody feels secure when they're there. So what is your role in the everyday running of the park theater? I move paper around a lot. Yeah? <laughs> um, what kind of paper? <laughs> I move papers from... Uh, 
Um, I guess for the longest time I've been the principal uh, booker and venue rental plus the accountant plus the toilet plunger plus the uh, basically everything uh, operations and organization and I'm a little bit um, neurotic in controlling and making sure that every process is done in a particular way which um, I think is why we've been able to do as well as we've done till now and then as of recently in the past couple of years I've started giving away some of the control so I do have uh, a bar manager who runs a lot of the bar day-to-day operations uh, her name's Courtney and then I've just recently hired a, a talent booker um, Corey Thomas who used to be of Ninja Cat um, who's starting to do a little bit more of the bookings and taking care of those day-to-day operations with touring acts and so forth, which has taken a lot of stress off my plate. Um, but it also adds stress because mm-hmm. I'm used to, you know, being the person who controls things or, or monitors and maintains things like right from the start to the end. And it can be a little bit stressful not having your hands in everything, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Corey Thomas, he uh, with Ninja Cat, they booked a lot of hardcore, heavier rock shows, correct? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know his favorite music though is New Wave, so that's kind of interesting, oh, right? Interesting. Uh, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, and he plays in some uh, metal bands and what have you. Um, he's just an absolute lover of music, and I think what happened is he saw a niche market that wasn't really being. Um, maintained or um, being properly promoted in the city when he started. So he start, he's a gentleman that started Metal Fest 13 years ago now. Um, and you're right, he does book a lot more heavier shows, but has, like I said, a, you know, a love for new wave and a love for indie music and what have you. He's just actually a, a great purveyor of music and knows quite a bit about everything, which has been super awesome. And he's a super great guy like he gets along with people super easy going and and uh you know that's super important especially when you're dealing with uh the personalities of bands and and then the stress that comes with it right like um, a lot of time bands are coming in um especially when they're coming from other cities and they're on the road and there's a lot of you know it's music is one of the toughest industries in my opinion to be in you know you put in countless hours of work to try to create this craft and then you go to places and you hope that people love it as much as you love it and you're you're developing something of such passion and then you're you're having to go on a stage and release it to everybody and hope that they they get it and feel it the same way you do right um so he is great in that way because he loves music and he's a um, great personality and been super great to work with and I've worked with him a number of years because we booked a lot of shows together or he used to rent the venue from me a lot in the past so now in the booking process because he's taking the lead do you ever just pop in and say like this band's going on tour like can we get him or can you book it for him yeah quite often and I mean we we have quite a few conversations about uh, acts that we like and you know it, it's not like I'm not booking at all I'm still doing uh, a fair amount of the booking, just not 100% of the booking. Uh, but there's a lot of time we'll have conversations uh, where we'll say, you know, I'll say, hey, I really like this music or I really think this is something that's going to be great or what have you, and he'll be the same way, and then we'll go out and try to find it. And prior to 
Corey, I also had uh, Kevin Mosden in for a while until uh, he moved to Montreal for a year. And he was doing talent booking for us and more importantly was doing all our graphics and social media and stuff, which he still does. Um, so we had also a lot of great conversations and, and got a lot of those great acts uh, through because he would be constantly scouring and finding who he thought would be the next big indie act. And that's how we ended up with some of the really great shows that we ended up with like three, four years ago. Um, and then now, you know, we're starting that process again of getting a lot of great acts, I think, or a lot of up and coming acts that I think will blow people away or hopefully will, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is the Park Theatre brand? Uh, good question. Uh, or what is... Um, so like if you... Someone's coming to Winnipeg, you should go to the Park Theatre because... The, we have lots of great venues in Winnipeg. Um, and the Park Theatre isn't necessarily any better than any of the other venues. I think the thing that really sets us apart, though... Um, is I continue to put in as much work as I believe every musician that plays the stage puts in. So I never want to sit back and go, this is final, my craft is done, or I'm not going to improve this venue and I'll just take money out of it. I constantly put money back into it because the amount of hours and amount of effort and work and money that artists put in, I think the venue where they play also has to reflect that. And so it has to be a constant evolving place where, where you're improving the sound, you're improving lighting, you're improving the, the aesthetics of it, and you're trying to make it into the best place because you have to, you have to acknowledge how much work that each one of those artists come in uh, also puts in. And I, so I guess our brand is, or our idea is, to be the best venue. And I know that sounds a little bit egotistical and a little bit, I don't know, naive also, but I feel like if we continue to do what we do and we continue to honor every musician that plays the stage, we will be that venue. And it's not really something I go out and go, oh, we're going to be the best, we're going to be the best, and I talk to everybody and say we're going to be the best, because I don't honestly feel that or want to say that but I feel like if we do it as a combined community artists and venue together we will be the best and we can continue to promote Winnipeg and show how great Winnipeg is and how great our artist is and also bring in artists from uh, all over the world and showcase them to Winnipegers so that maybe they'll be inspired or they'll have a great time right like that's what we're trying to do we're trying to build and create moments so they're like two hour snippets of your life every night where you just have an absolute blast you're with strangers you're with friends you're with people who are also impassioned about music or impassioned about events and you just you just have a moment and that you go home and that moment continues to live and live and then you hear that song again or you hear uh, or you talk to somebody about that and you get those goosebumps and those chills and you're like yes that was the best time ever and that's what the park theater is that's interesting that you're saying honoring the, the talent that takes the stage because I think that's something that obviously I would overlook, but do you have bands that have played at the park who, you know, are maybe from the States or wherever, but when they come back to Winnipeg, they want to play the park because they've had that good experience with you? Yeah, um, yeah, we have quite a few artists and quite a few bands, and I think quite a few of them have also become friends, and even when they maybe move on and 
can't play the park anymore because it's smaller for their demographics or their what have you sometimes they'll step back and play a small room show with us or they invite me out to uh, the larger arenas or venues um so yes the short answer is yes nice is there ever a time where a band has approached you and said we want to play the park theater but you know that it's probably too small or probably not the right fit and like have to pass on something that's really great 100 percent. yeah yeah it happens far too often and it's a very sad moment but you always want the best for the artist so you understand you know you can be selfish and just stamp your feet and be like no you got to play here because you played here last time and it's like mm-hmm. no i want the absolute best for you so yes go out and grow and be better is there like a community of venue owners that if someone is too big for the park theater in your opinion would you recommend them to you know oh i know the person who books for the garrick or the bert yeah i mean we all know each other right like it's a very small community especially in winnipeg do you have meetings and stuff like secret secrets what venue do you have your secret meetings at no Uh, (laughs) can't tell you it's a secret can't tell you that's right the first rule of secret venue meetings uh we do collaborate or have discussions with each other and it's not necessarily meetings although there has been meetings um um I, the core group of us that do have discussions just want what's best for Winnipeg and what's best for the venues. So it's not necessarily uh, us getting together and going, oh, this artist has to play here or that, because it's never that way. It's not, a, we would never ever dictate to musicians where they could play or should play because that's just goes counterculture to what the idea of venues are. I think when we do meet or we do have discussions, it's how can we continue to grow our scene and make it um, bigger and better and 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 more encompassing and and welcoming and and it's more about that or how can we continue to market and continue to grow our scene? It's yeah. So, for people that don't know, you can share this if you like. Or you don't have to if you don't want to. Um, but how does, like, if you're, a band is traveling, are they getting paid through the door or by you? And who does promotion? Like, how does the venue and the band work together to make a show? For sure. So there's a few different collaborations when it comes to that. Um, there's a straight up venue rental where a band will rent the, the park theater from us and maybe put on a CD release party or put on a show. Uh, in those cases, we help a little bit with the promotions, but usually the promotions on the band and typically those are more local style shows or sometimes they will be a touring band that knows they have enough draw or enough community and they would rather do it themselves, especially with the way our venue rental works because we discount heavily based on bar sales. So it's can be next to nothing. The second uh, way is when um, a promotion company, an outside promoter, rents the park theater. So somebody like the Winnipeg Folk Fest, Timber Record, or MRG, or so forth. Uh, They'll rent the park theater. Uh, Again, they'll take over promotions and everything and then just pay us for the the tech in the room. And then there is uh, touring bands when we want to book. So what happens is typically it's... Sometimes a band will reach out to you directly uh, just to get holds in place, and then their agent always follows up. So they'll have an agent, uh, say from Pacan Artists, 
to use a local one who will then reach out to you and say you know we have this band touring through this is the dates we're looking for and they'll ask for uh, usually about a week to 10 day of holds you put the holds in place and then you negotiate back and forth on terms and then uh, they'll figure out the route that they're taking through Canada or sometimes all through North America, then come back to you and then you pay them a guarantee and you hope that you make enough money uh, through door sales or ticket sales to meet that guarantee. And then you also give them a percentage of the overages. So in an ideal world, um, it's typically about 80% of all the gate revenue goes to the band and 20% comes back to the venue, which then helps pay for promotions, uh, room, tech, and so forth. And then bar sales goes. And then bar sales comes to the park, yeah. So please don't name names, but what is the most sort of like um, uh, ambitious sort of asking, like a band has contacted you and be like, we need this, 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 and this. Like what is the most ambitious uh, rider rider that you've ever gotten uh, or maybe maybe you fulfilled it maybe you didn't <laughs> yeah there's been some lengthy ones but I've always been I believe in making sure that artists gets paid what they deserve and what they're worth sometimes you can't always pay them what they're worth because the amount of hours and stuff that go into a craft, but and but I also protect the park theater. Um, so I've always tried to ensure that we're never being a place that there's too much compromise from the park theater to not be sustainable. So usually when we make our offers and we put them into the agent into the band, there's always, uh, you know, we're only pay or do this much in hospitality. So when their riders do come to us and it's quite extensive and there has been some multi-page riders sometimes, wow. you know, we need sandwiches at 3 p.m. and then we need a pizza at 4 p.m. and then, oh. you know, stuff like that. <laughs> uh, it happens and, and, you know, especially they have loading crew and what have you. So, but... I'll just be like, you know, the unfortunate thing is we only have this much for hospitality and I'd love to accommodate you. What I can do is I can either give it to you in cash payouts and you guys can grab whatever you want or just tell me exactly what you can live with on this and we'll, we'll fulfill that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's some bands that come through where uh, because you know you'll do so much in bar sales or and you're just such fanboys of the band that sometimes yeah you'll we'll go over budget and you try not to because it's not fair to go over budget with this band and not over budget with that band but it does happen mm -hmm. yeah is there a genre of music that brings in more bar sales yes there's three three genres yeah. will you share Can them you, with yeah. us no I don't know. <laughs> you don't have to i guess yeah. that's taking away from your yeah, business no, that too makes right? sense. Yeah, makes sense. that's yeah. fair to keep your secrets that's why the other question i was like you don't have to share if you don't yeah. want to yeah um, so, but I just want to go back to that rider thing for a second. Not, maybe not the most ambitious, but maybe the oddest thing that you've seen on a rider or something that you thought was easy to find, but it took forever to track it down or something. No, it's never been stuff like that. No. Like I've heard stories. Right. Me too. Yeah. That's why I'm excited to yeah. ask you. <laughs> but it's never been, they're not crazy like you, you hear they used to be, you know, so, no, there's nothing been that crazy. 
and usually everything can be found now and um believe it or not like most writers are just about really good healthy clean eating and mm-hmm. um you know so yeah it's nothing crazy oh. <laughs> <laughs> well if i was in a band i would like yeah like pizza at 4 p.m and then i need this at 5 p.m i'd feel like too much of a diva maybe i would be like no but sometimes it's not about the band sometimes like i said they bring loaders and techs and so forth oh yeah so they're they're making sure that everybody's on their team is being fed properly which is 100 percent understandable like yeah Mm -hmm. you know your team is everything yeah 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 that would make sense my aunt uh i believe well i don't know if prince came to winnipeg i'm almost certain it was prince wanted a certain kind of water and she was like very stressed out driving around winnipeg and how do, how do you know where to get water? Like the gas station, you just get a water bottle, but it was just this type of water that Prince needed and she had a tough time. So that's what I was excited for. I was like, what water did you need to get? Yeah, yeah. so there's a certain like, brand. Yeah, or like, um, yeah. It's just very interesting to, I don't know much about riders. I just learned about riders recently. No. So that's why I'm like a little bit of a rider nerd. Sometimes but, people put things in their riders that are outrageous only to see if you're actually reading the rider so you reach out to them and go are you sure you really need this and they're like yeah <laughs> we put that in there just to see that people are reading the riders oh. yeah so yeah. that will happen but yeah n- nothing really crazy nothing that i think is crazy yeah yeah that's fair. so you are a movie lover yes when and where did the idea of the cult movie night start Oh, good question. Uh, when I first actually started the the park long, long time ago, um, because I was a, a lover of movies and it was a movie theater and one of the main reasons I bought the place, I just actually started showing films. So we used to show uh, movies at midnight um, throughout the week and uh, we'd have different people show up at midnight and this is like way before having a bar license and liquor license and people used to just sneak in beers and hang out and watch these great movies uh, and then that just so slowly morphed into being busier with doing bands but still wanting to show movies and then slowly grew up our, our kind of our cult list of the movies that we show um, yeah and what's your favorite cult movie? Of all time? Yeah. Oh, good question. Um, from a profitability standpoint or from a viewable <laughs> you standpoint? Can do, you can do both. Yeah. 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 Uh, we got time. My favorite cult movie is probably The Blood of Heroes. I've never shown it because I don't know if people would come out for it. Um, and profitability, The Room. Or the Big room. Lebowski. Yeah, yeah. Either one of those two. Yeah. Mm. You do, uh, how many times do you do them a, a year? Uh, we were doing only 12 per year. Uh, and then I invested heavily into a brand new laser projector, which looks absolutely amazing. It's like watching a 35 foot LCD screen. And now we're up to about 20 a year, which is quite a bit. Nice. Yeah. So do you cycle through, cause I, I know you've done the Big Lebowski and the room how many movies are in the rotation? Do you try something new every time? Uh, no, uh, so sort of yes. We have our core group of about seven movies that I know will just sell out no matter what. And they've kind of got their own cult following where people just come and it's people seeing each other and it's become this real great experience. So like The Room is one of those, Phantom of the Paradise is one of those, uh, Big Lebowski, um, Monty Python, 
Quest for the Holy Grail, Die Hard, of course, best Christmas movie ever. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there's those core group of movies, and then there's uh, a few other movies that we just cycle in and cycle out. So like Grease, Sing Along, um, Moulin Rouge, Sing Along, um, stuff like that. So um, how when they you have the sing-alongs, how long does it take for the audience to like warm up? Before they're super comfortable singing. For sure. So usually what I do is I play certain songs leading up to it, uh, like Sweet Caroline and so forth, just to get people into that, hey, let's start singing and having fun. And then usually because of that, as soon as the movie hits, everybody's just into it. That's so cool. Nice. Yeah. And then we do super cheap pitchers of beer. And of course, libations always help people find the courage. So movies, for example, like... Rocky Horror Picture Show, or yeah. they have people that like act out some of the scenes and stuff. Does that happen at the Park Theater? Yes, very much so. Yes. And which movies does that happen for? The most, or all in general. So Rocky Horror, of course, everybody gets up and does like the time warp and all the other things, and people are yelling out stuff. The room, like you'd be surprised how many people yell out stuff. Plus, throw plastic spoons and all that. <laughs> uh, Die Hard actually has become quite a. Uh, rambunctious crowd yelling out <laughs> stuff and uh yeah so probably quite a few of them and especially because like i said it's usually uh, a core group of people that come up for that particular film and it's built itself its own little cult following of people who come out and they uh, yeah so does each one have an interactive aspect to it each one yes each one has become more interactive the more times we've shown it and the more the, that core group of people that are following it come out and, and, and interjected and made it more and more interactive. Like you see house robes at the Big Lebowski? Yes, 100%. Yeah. And <laughs> Folgers you coffee. white Russians on, yeah. on special. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, sorry. Is it? Oh. That's my phone. Okay, oh, yeah. that's great. <laughs> no worries, yeah. I, I was worried it was mine. Well, no, it's not worried. It's not a big deal. We're relaxed. <laughs> it's all right. Um, do you know much about the cult following for Phantom of the Paradise? Yes. And like their the Winnipeg aspect of that? Yeah, absolutely. Could you talk about that a little bit? For sure. So um, I'm actually showing that coming up in February. Uh, so there is a, a core group of people who helped make <clears throat> that movie. Basically, that's it only really did well in Winnipeg. and it Like all over the world. All over the world, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, it, yeah. So, and there's a, a group of uh, people here in Winnipeg who follow it and actually were flying in the actors year after year as well. And uh, Doug Carlson is actually one of that core group. He's actually got a documentary that's coming out based on Winnipeg's love of that movie, which we'll be showing the trailer for uh, prior to our Phantom showing. Um, it's incredible that a, a movie that every critic and every other audience wrote off played for what 67 weeks i think was so or maybe longer and then started the midnight uh cult following here um yeah it's crazy and it's you know it's such a different movie you know it's like if you're going to pick a movie that you wouldn't be so entrenched in i don't know if that would be the movie i would have picked in the (laughs) 60s but it is an enjoyable film um, yeah. yeah, I just, I, I know a little bit about it and that something like the record sales for that movie in Winnipeg sold like 
hundred thousand copies in Winnipeg and like nowhere else. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just this, and Weird. my dad has one, and like I have it now, but it's just like this vinyl that like you won't be able to find this yeah anywhere else because nobody else cared i've seen multiple people with the record too and yeah, yeah. it's so weird only winnipeg cares for some reason yeah very strange yeah yeah so the the actors for that they don't come to winnipeg or like they're not flown here anymore is that a thing that still happens no the, i don't think they so they had a um annual gala that they were doing in Papalooza, but they stopped <laughs> it i think three or four years ago mm-hmm. yeah Maybe five years so ago. So interesting. Now. Yeah. I, like, after year after year after year, like, what do you keep talking about? <laughs> like, is, is yeah. that why it shut down? You know? And I'm not sure why. Or, yeah, or I guess the demographic keeps getting older and older as well. And um, I'm sure it's just a whole variety of different things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I want to... Sorry. No, go ahead. I don't want to talk about Phantom of the Paradise anymore. Okay, Okay, uh, shifting back to music. Me me, me too. Oh, awesome. Okay, we're on the same page then. Um, Hard to single out favorite bands that come through, but what are some top acts over the 13 years that Mm -hmm. stick out to you? Like, that have been my favorite shows or have been... um, Well, I have a very soft spot for Royal Canoe, of course. Uh, J.P. Ho, who helped... I think really helped make the Park Theater what it is by coming to me after a screening of uh, Quest for the Holy Grail and being like, hey, what do you think of doing music in here? And I was like, okay, let's try it. <laughs> he was one of the first. Yeah, himself, Mark Reeves, and I can't remember the, the other gentleman's name. I apologize to him. Uh, they, they were the first show. And then, and then JP also did his beta project, uh, which was a live recording at the Park Theater. Uh, which really helped and made the Park Theatre what it is. And then JP's done a lot of collaborations with us over the years and been a great sounding board for what to do, uh, as well as a lot of the other, you know, artists of that um, time. So Royal Canoe, of course, used to be in uh, Telly, and Telly used to play the Park Theatre a lot. And then the Quincy guys and so forth, and and Sons of York, and... uh, Rosie and Josh and Enjoy Your Pumas and so forth. So with those early, when we first started doing music at the Park Theater, we still had theater seats and it was actually just a thrust stage. And I didn't even have a sound system. So bands used to have to haul in a sound system, set it up and then haul it back out. And every time a band came in, I just wrote down everything they had. And eventually when I started seeing the equipment that came up the most often, because I had no idea what to do, and then I just bought all that stuff and said, okay, we have a sound system now. Wow. Uh, yeah. And then it slowly continued to morph and grow into what it is. Uh, so uh, for touring artists, uh, Shaky Graves was absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Harpoonist and the Axe Murders love Strumbellas, of course. Um, Funk Hunters. Um, and, you know, Mac DeMarco, of course. Uh, there's been lots of great artists um i don't know who i would say though was my absolute favorite show i i know who was the most worst person to work with but that's that's not for the yeah. that's not for the <laughs> uh, but and and the great thing is uh you know we've we've had opportunities to play with artists on their way up and had the opportunities to play with their artists on the way down and and musicians can be the most humble and most 
welcoming people. And they, you know, we've, I've just been very lucky to been able to have conversations with people and just get so much advice and, and, you know, uh, yeah, just being able to grow based on people, uh, just being factual and just telling you, you know, you know, like, here's what you need to do. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that I do do. I go to the artists, um, that play and be like, okay, you know, thank you for loving the room. Thank you for playing here. But you know, what would make this place better? And then again, once people say this, you know, something more than a few times, I go out and do that. And it's always been my thing to just, you know, going on what we were talking about earlier is just try to make it the best place. But more importantly, the most accommodating place for the artists, because you got to remember, like, they can play anywhere. You know, we're privileged and lucky to have them play our stage. And we have to give back and make it viable and also most comforting and and best place for them to play because why else would they want to play a particular place you know it, sure there's a lot of times where it comes down to money and sense but it's really about what is best for the artists what is best for the people coming to the venue uh first and foremost um, and how can you make it the best for both artists and audience alike yeah uh, is the, is the park theater accessible, like wheelchair accessible? Uh, yes. So the, so the main lobby is ground level and then we have two wings built at the back of the room to ensure mm-hmm. that we do have uh, wheelchair accessibility and then we have uh, dedicated washroom as well. And were those things there or was that one of maybe those recommendations that came up or? Uh, no. Um, so when I bought the building, um, when, when you first went into the park theater 14 years ago or 13 years ago, when I bought the building, the lobby was literally, God, maybe 10 feet by five feet. You had that much room to buy a movie ticket and buy your concessions and go in. When you first walked into the park theater, uh, your concessions was on your immediate left, which is now my co-check area. Mm -hmm. And then literally you take six steps in front of you and that was where the the ticket or sorry the concessions was and then the doors were on both sides of that and you start going down and the men's washroom was on the right and the women's washroom was still where it is um when bought the building gutted the entire building and then built a sub floor so that the lobby would be a much bigger area and then at the same time of building that just made sure that it was you know, wheelchair accessible and accessible. And, mm-hmm. yeah. I just, uh, the reason that I asked that is because everything seems to be made out of concrete. And if you had to change anything, it seems like it would be almost impossible. It to would accomplish. be. Yeah, it would be. Um, except for that lobby area is just all, that lobby area was built by us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was, and you have very high ceilings in there too. So was that all? Yeah, design? we're, uh, so back in the day, the area that's right above you when you first walked through the door, that used to actually be the projection room. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why it's so high, uh-huh. uh, which is now, became a seating area and is now my office in storage. Um, yeah. I miss that seating area. Uh, that I, when I used to come to the park when I was younger, uh, that was like, I loved going up there. I yeah. had no idea. Yeah. yeah it was kind of like a little hidden space. and Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what I loved about it. It was just like you go to a show and then you can just go like, and there was a couch up there, right? Yeah. So you have several relax. couches and you can just relax and what have you. Yeah. The problem is, you know, it's a very large building, but it's a very tiny building. So you just start running out of space. And I used to, 
you know, the till I built that office up there, like four or five years ago, I literally sat at the DVD counter for oh, really? 10 to 13 hours a day. So it was a needed thing. Yeah. It was a needed upgrade. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Took away your relaxation. Yeah. yeah. That, that so I could relax. Day, so, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll just have to have a nap before I come to the show. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what's come, uh, aside from the, so the marquee is going back up. Marquee is going up. Yeah. yeah. So like I said, um, if everything works out properly, we'll get our permit stamped on Monday, so tomorrow, uh, and then we'll start working on the facade again, and then just waiting for the city to stamp off on the marquee. Uh, so the marquee is being built from scratch. It's going to be a brand new structure. We have to put in I-beams and build it completely from scratch, and hopefully within a couple months, hopefully. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. It is. It's super exciting. And I mean, it's a project that I've been working on for five years um, just to get the money in place and get the vision the way I want it to look and, you know, find the team that I could work with to get it done properly. Um, so I'm a little bit impatient. You know, like I tell people, yeah, we started the demolition in November and they're like, well, why do you expect to be done already? And it's like, because I've been working on this in my mind for five years. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got one more question. Go for it. Um, how has the South Osborne community been? Like, do they take in a lot of shows or do you see a lot of people coming from different parts of the city? Um, the neighborhood's been fantastic. Um, when we first opened up the doors, the neighborhood is what helped sustain us. Um, do a large uh, amount of the neighborhood come out for shows? Uh, the unfortunate answer is no. And I think that's because it's always, there's that sense it's in my backyard, I can go anytime. And so maybe they don't come out as often, except for our New Year's. Our New Year's is very, very highly populated with our, with our neighborhood. Um, so it is a lot of people that are traveling from different parts of the city. Um, yeah. So not like a lot of like foot traffic, just people no, stopping not, in and seeing what's up. No, it's, it is a lot of people traveling there by vehicle or by bike or by bus or so forth, taxi. Yeah. And, Do you yeah. find that area is getting busier now that there's more businesses like Vera down the street? And I think so. Like if you look at the neighborhood when we opened up 13 years ago, you know, there was a lot of boarded up shops and a lot of, uh, it wasn't really an an evening or nightlife kind of uh, place. The only other place that was open besides us was Montecchio's and Oakwood and then uh, Vesuvio's uh, and Lux, I guess. Lux, uh, the original restaurant was there. And then now we have Seven and a Quarter opened up, which is now Hermano's. And now we have Leopold's and now we have Vera's and we have Oxbow a little bit further down, a little sister, and then the coffee shop across the street, Park Place. Um, so it has become more and more vibrant and a lot more foot traffic. And it has become, uh, you know, you're seeing a switch over to a lot more activity, which is great. So the Park Place is your, is part of the park theater no it is not, it's not? <laughs> no not at all oh really no no that's uh janice's and chris's little baby yeah and did they ask if they could call it that no so it? what happened in uh 100 and however many years ago uh, riverview fort rouge used to be um 
we used to have the river park. So in 1860 or 1870, which used to have the bear pit, the roller coaster, used to be the beach. Uh, we used to have the the park line, which was the rail cars or the street cars that go back and forth. So that's where that name comes from is mm-hmm. uh, their park line coffee based on that, the park theater based on the park and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a, a little bit of the history in the in the neighborhood and they called it based on that. And then we also have that new condo complex that went is going in near the Fort Rouge Yards, which is also called the park line condos, I think, if I remember correctly or something like that. Yeah. I definitely thought that that was the same thing, like the a, park theater. And then I was like, oh, it used to be a coffee shop. So that's cute. They have one across the street. And that's not the case. Not the case. Oh. No. So I can, I was going to say I don't have to go, but I do like it. So I will go anyway. But place. I just yeah. felt like I was like supporting the park theater through coffee. Oh, thank you. That's what, yeah. <laughs> Inadvertently. Yeah. No, that's cool history though. I never knew that at all either. Yeah. Is there any other bits of history while you while we have you here? Some really great stories about the neighborhood or about the park theater that you would share with us? Um, it's putting you on the spot a little bit. Yeah, you don't have to. I have nothing there. prepared. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, uh, I would be surprised if you pulled out a script. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I'm super prepared. I was for waiting this for this moment. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, yeah, I mean, no. Okay. No. Yeah, fair enough. Sometimes that works with guests. We'll just be like. Anything that you expected us to ask? And you're like, yeah, actually this. And it turns into something wonderful. But it, you're just a great storyteller. And oh, no, I'm not. I Thank you, though. I'm okay, just though. a very nervous guy who feels like i got to fill the air with words. Hey, they were same great words, though. <laughs> okay, good. I learned a lot. Yeah, no, it's it's cool. And then learning about that history and, and that area is growing, like you said. And the Park Theater is such a, a vital part of that. Yeah, that we're... We've become an anchor for the neighborhood, which is amazing. And you know, the the most important thing is we have really great neighbors and really great uh, young entrepreneurs coming in who are creating things and that have the same vision and the same passion for Winnipeg and for the neighborhood. And that's the important thing, right? When you start getting a, a group of people together, kind of like what we're talking about, secret venue meetings. <laughs> but when you get a group of people together that are like-minded and you're all trying to develop something that's um, just amazing and great for the city like look what we're doing and it's you know it's not me it's not them it's all of us combined together and everybody that comes down as well nice well thank you so much eric for coming back my pleasure thank you ready thank Thank you you for cutting cutting deep deep with with us on paper cut podcast thanks For more than 30 years, the West End Cultural Center has been the best place in Winnipeg to see live music. They support local, national, and international touring artists and are proud to support Papercut Podcasts in promoting the local art scene. (gasps) That's us. To keep up to date with all WEC events, check out the events calendar on their website at www.wecc.ca. Or find them on all of your favorite social media platforms. Also, follow Papercut Podcast on all our social media platforms for a chance to win tickets to West End Cultural Center events.